Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Hi, it's Hugh Ballou again. And this is a very special episode of the Nonprofit Exchange. I have over here my good friend Les Brown. And Les is going to share with you this movement that he's initiated. And over here, my new friend, Tamara Hartley. And so Les, yes, we've been we've been capturing ideas on the storyboards about uh, this project that you've got in mind. So tell people what this project is. Well, it's a project that's designed to make a greater impact on people on the general population and and helping people to develop the tools the mindset skill set and collaborative achievement driven relationships that will allow them to create the greatest version of themselves um, this is the era of what the late peter drucker calls the era of the three c's accelerated change overwhelming complexity and tremendous competition and so with all the changes that's taking place with technology according to the department of labor over 20,000 people are losing their jobs every day 50% of the jobs that now exist can be done by robots and so when we look at the advance of artificial intelligence and cheap labor abroad people literally are now in an entrepreneur's era and they have to begin to expand their skill set so that they'll be able to handle what is required to be in this global economy where accelerated change is taking place. It is so true. You see it happening every day. Yes. Every day there's massive changes. Um, you have a special passion for those people who are incarcerated and continue to be incarcerated. Talk about that. We incarcerate more people in America than any place else in the world. And we are making people bitter rather than better. And so I believe that we have to develop a higher level of consciousness on how we deal with people that have made some bad choices. And so my goal is, one, to uh, people that are incarcerated to allow, if the prisons will allow me, to have my programs in the prison to change their mindset, to teach them how to become effective communicators, to teach them how to develop positive, collaborative, achievement-driven, supportive relationships, teach them how to earn money online as entrepreneurs, and, and teach them how to dress like a prospect rather than a suspect. A prospect rather than a suspect. <laughs> yes, because the, the truth is that when people get a criminal background, they, they're not gonna get any jobs. And if they do, those jobs are, are really not gonna pay much money. And so these individuals are not gonna starve to death. They're gonna find a way to feed themselves. And as a result, that's why the recidivism rate is over 80%. If you had a factory that was producing products and 80% of the products came back defective, you wouldn't continue to use that process. So there has been a slight change in, in how we're dealing with people that, that have made some bad choices in our society, rather than just putting money in and caging them, they're now looking at the possibility of helping them to learn how to read because over 76% of them are functional illiterates, helping them to learn 
the skill set and give them some support that allow them to be reintegrated back into society. When you go to jail, you can't stay in public housing. Uh, you you go out and apply for a job. You got to put down there that you have a criminal background. And most employers will say, you know, we'll we you, we'll call you. Don't you call us? Mm -hmm. And so they're penalized throughout their lives, even after they have paid their debt to society. And that's not fair. My mother was once incarcerated, and she sold homebrew and moonshine and wrote numbers <laughs> when she could no longer work at the m and cafeteria. Uh -huh. And that was a tough time. I became a man at 10 years old as a result of that. So so it was seven children in a house that that no longer had the, the, the guardian, the person who took care of us. She adopted seven of us, and she said that she made a commitment when she did, we will never go to bed hungry, and we did not. We will always have a roof over our heads and clothes on our back. And and we we most certainly did have that, but that was a, a gap in our lives that, that's very painful and was very challenging. And so there are a lot of good people who made some bad choices, and I believe the world consists of the caught and the uncaught. I've made some bad decisions in my life. I've done some stupid things when I was younger. And thank God I didn't get caught. And, and, and I believe that God was looking out for me because when I go to the bathroom, I, I leave the door cracked. You know, <laughs> being locked up, I tell on everybody. What Beretta say, if you can't do the time, don't commit the crime. <laughs> Les friend, you have this. <clears throat> magical ability to put concepts into powerful words and to communicate it to people. And I've been in groups that have just been so excited. And I know that people write you and people speak to you about how you've inspired them. And something you said triggered and the content you gave them gave them substance to get out of where they were. And it's a, it's a mind shift, isn't it? Well, I don't any question, but to put it in, a, in another context, you are expanding their vision of themselves. Mm -hmm. When people are going through a tough time, they have a tendency to expand and exaggerate the circumstances that they're going through. When I speak, the goal is to expand their vision of themselves, to begin to see that there's greatness in you, that you're greater than your circumstances. You are better than anything that you're going through now or in the future. And so you have to affirm to yourself, I, I deal with cancer on a regular basis in 21 years and sadder pain. And so my affirmation is this will not get the best of me. I have to say this to myself. I refuse to allow this to live in my life. I am stronger than this. And so we have to, I believe, program ourselves and talk to ourselves to get through the stuff that we're dealing with because things are going to happen to us. Forrest Gump was right. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> and so greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. There's a presence and there's a power that we all have within ourselves that we have not been trained how to access that power so that we can rise above what we're going through. And, and, and live our lives from the inside out rather than living our lives from the outside in. And, and that's the key. And, and you have to discipline yourself to do that, not to get caught up and buy into the, the mass weapons of, of what I call mass weapons of 
I mean, weapons of mass distractions. There, there's so things, so many things that will distract you and tell you that you can't handle this, you can't deal with this. And it, you have to harness your will. You have to say to yourself, I'm gonna get through this. I have an affirmation when life has been kicking my butt, no matter how bad it is or how bad it gets, I'm going to make it. And when I say that, I think about my mother because she went through some tough times raising seven children that she didn't give birth to, had a third grade education, was a domestic worker, and she had arthritis. I remember asking her when she said, oh, Arthur's bothering me. I said, Mama, who's Arthur? You always talking about Arthur. She said, don't worry, <laughs> you live long enough, you'll find out. Well, I have Arthur in my right butt. <laughs> I was at a, a, at a church service. This lady was a, a healer. And so she asked people to come up and heal. I decided to get in line. So she said, can I help you? And I said, well, just touch me at the top of my head and the healing power will go through my whole body. She said, I want direct impact. I said, well, I have prostate cancer and I got arthritis in my right butt, the right side of my butt. She said, touchy Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> She was not going to touch me in the crowd. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, this is real, I'm telling you. So she gave me some prayer cloths, which I still have them in my underwear right now. I was going back and forth on the stage, and I saw people laughing and, and looking past me. This is in Detroit. I, I said, what are you laughing about? I looked back, and uh, these prayer cloths, little clips of prayer cloths that I had paid $3 for, had slipped out of my pants, out of my pants leg, and I had a little, little line of pair of claws going across the stage. I said, y'all can laugh if you want to. I picked them up, got behind the photos, and put them right back in my underwear. And so I'm still here, 21 years of kicking cancer's butt. 21 years. Your whole life is changing the paradigm because of your determination and your vision for yourself. Yes. Um, we're in Cleveland, Ohio. And we spent uh, a chunk of yesterday uh, letting you download your vision. And this is a, a, a foundation that you're starting, but it's bigger than that. It's, it's more like a movement because you're talking about 80% return to prison. That's a crisis. Yes. And you're doing something about it. And so you're launching, this is an official notice, you're launching, uh, we haven't named it, but it's the Les Brown Foundation. You're going to provide support. And you're going to invite people to participate in this movement with you. So we're in this, this room in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we've had some really powerful conversations. This is a, this is a huge vision, Les. And mm -hmm. I've worked with charities for 31 years. And this is the top of the heap. This is, this is powerful. Um, now, why am I here? And why is Tamara here? Tamara Hart Hartley. The, the two of you have a skill set that I don't have. And you're very knowledgeable and experienced in this area of, of how to set up a nonprofit, and along with uh, Sharita Herring. And so part of what I wanted to do, two people that I know that have integrity, that have experience and have a skill set, and other relationships that I don't have, and that can teach me, I believe, ask for help, not because you're weak, but because you want to remain strong, and ask for help, but don't stop until you get it. And so I could have gone online to set up a, a nonprofit. A lot of people do that. But I wanted to do it in the right way. I wanted to have a, 
a system and a level of transparency when people contribute to the work that we're going to be doing that they will know without and beyond a shadow of a doubt that the money is going where we said it will go. Mm-hmm. And I believe that when you're going to do something of this magnitude, you need people that in your corner that can help you do that, that know things that you don't know and can set it up the right way so that you can accelerate your level of success. And you and Tamara Hartley are two individuals that I strongly believe in and that I I met you at CEO Space. And so when we look at, I think, uh, putting something together that will outlast you, to me, greatness is living your life in such a way that the things that you create, as one Russian author said, that will not be undone or destroyed after you're gone. And so we're only here for a limited amount of time. I, I had a, a, a plan of doing an event with Wayne Dyer, and we talked about doing a PBS special. And we put it off for several months. And then he called me and said, I'm coming to Orlando, and let's get together and do this PBS special. I said, great. Two days later, he had a massive heart attack. You know? So to me, we have to seize the moment. I'm 72. I look much younger because I don't believe in gray hair. (laughs) There's no shade in my game, you hear me? I travel around with mascara in my pocket. So if any gray hair come out, I will touch it up in a heartbeat. Let the record show. Only thing, the the only three gray hairs that show me in my eyelashes. I haven't found out how to do that yet. But I'm I'm, I'm thinking about I'm working on get me some very can to hook this stuff up. Hope we don't play that. And, and so my goal now is, is about leaving a legacy. What will be different? Because I came this way. I've been thinking about that. And as a 21-year cancer conqueror because of God's grace and mercy, my goal is to live a life that they could say, this guy, because of his passion and and his commitment to help transform people's lives like somebody transformed his life, he made an impact. And there are people who, as a result of going through his training or hearing him speak, that they were never the same as a result of being in his presence. That's what I want to make my life mean something. Most people, when they die, after about two or three weeks, because their lives were so inconsequential, they just worked the job, paid the bills, and took care of the family, and one day they were out of here. I don't want it like that. I, I, I remember talking to my daughter on the telephone, Ona, and and she said, Dad, I'm, I'm here in traffic, and there's a policeman on a motorcycle in the middle of the road, and he's obviously stopping traffic for a funeral procession to come by. I said, okay, so she said, I think I'll be here a minute. And then all of a sudden she said, whoa, wow. I said, what's wrong? She said, nothing's wrong. She said, "Uh, Hearst just went through and only one car was behind it. She said, when I die, Dad, I want because of how I live my life that there will be a long procession of cars, people coming out to celebrate my life, that I was here and the difference that I made for them. And I, I said, I understand that. And, and that's, that's what I want, that when I go, that people come out 
to celebrate my life because I did some good stuff. And it's that evil prevails when good men and women do nothing. And there's a lot of good that all of us can do. And but one of the things that I think about often, a lady that flew over from Australia for me to train her in speaking. And so I asked her, why did you select me? A lot of people all over the world. And she said, well, I saw you on YouTube speaking in the Georgia Dome and you speak from your heart. And so therefore, I want to learn how to speak from my heart. I said, well, I can teach you how to do that. And then I stopped and said, what is your why? What's the reason that you want to discover your power voice? And she said, when I saw Dale and Ruth, a young white kid who went into an African-American church and killed nine black people, she said, I felt that there should be another person on his side standing before the judge. He said, she said, he was not born with that level of hatred in him. Somebody was in his ear. Somebody twisted his mind. And then she paused and said, I believe the world is as it is, not because uh, a few people are violent. She said, I believe the world is as it is because too many people are silent. And when she said that, that really grabbed me. I mean, it just gave me goose pimples. And so I want my voice and the voices of people that I train to be a chorus to create a different kind of mindset on the planet. And I believe that it can be done in our lifetime. Well, and what we're here to set up, and I'm, I wanna ask Tamara a couple of questions. What we're here to set up is a way for people not only to be at your, your celebration for your life, but to continue the celebration. Because yes. this, um, in Africa, there's a saying, when a man dies, they burn his library. We're not burning your library. We're, no, we're you're building don't. advocates. And, <laughs> yeah. and in fact, put them in my casket <laughs> with me. And, 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 <laughs> right. and one other thing, I tell my kids when they said that I had died, I said, "Don't let them do anything with me until you come down to the mall to identify my body, and to make sure that I'm gone." Put a microphone in my hand. If I don't set up and say, "You got to be hungry." <laughs> <laughs> You just say, Dad's gone, Mom. He's gone. <laughs> How you know he's gone? Well, did you check his pulse? No, we put a microphone in his head and his mouth was still closed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, um, um, you have touched the lives of so many people in person. And like you said, your, your YouTube and Facebook and um, um, videos that are online mm -hmm. are just, people view them. And when I say Les Brown to people, oh, yeah, I saw that video. And... Um, that's one way to live on. But what what I've discovered, I, I I've known you for a number of years, and um, you mentioned CEO space. Yeah, you know I've had to follow you twice at CEO space on yes. stage. <laughs> yeah, you call me your opening act. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you you gave me a high five. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was, you'd either love it or hate it. Or hate me. Yeah. Um, I thought that was I, I thought that was you were quick on your. <laughs> I saw another uh, speaker, he was former mayor of Detroit, Coleman Young, and he had to speak to a group of cosmetologists, all these females. And he, as he was coming up on the platform, he tripped and fell, and everybody gasped. And when he got himself together and came up to the microphone, he said, obviously, I have fallen for you. <laughs> I said, you go, boy. 
that was awesome. I have, um, in this last uh, day, um, my appreciation for Les Brown has grown deeper, not only for your ability to recall tons of profound quotes that are relevant to what we're talking about, but also the depth of your knowledge and perception and experience. You know what you're talking about and you've paid the price. And um, I, I knew that, now I really know it. I believe, always believed it and I know because I had to follow you that you made me a better me. And, and I was the first time you talked and left and I had to come an hour or so later and I was getting dressed and I was like trembling. We had this group going, man. And I had, they cool off. They came back and here, who's Hugh Ballou? And so I looked in the mirror and I said to myself, you're going to go out there and you're going to be Hugh Ballou. So I just, I, I had the inspiration in me from that session, yes. but I just boom, because you triggered something in me and I gave myself permission to be me. You talked about that earlier. So I, I can really understand when you say helping people to access that greatness within them, which you, you talk about in a lot of different ways. I'm paraphrasing my hearing it, but I, I want to say to people that um, I, I have known you for a while. I've known your content. I've got a whole deeper level of appreciation and what this movement is about. You're creating a foundation to be able to provide resources for those people that are trapped, 80%, I heard you say, return to prison. Yes. And and we're talking about doing a team program because they get in a cycle that's gonna lead them there. Yes. So you're you're doing the, the training, help people break the cycle, but you're also helping people not get in the cycle. So, and you have some outstanding programs. We're gonna talk about that in a minute and some of your experience developing them. But I want you to pause for a minute. Yes, sir. We decide the number of prisons that we're going to build mm -hmm. based upon the failure rate of African-American students in the third grade. Really? Yes. Absolutely. Based upon that. Oh my goodness. And I say, if we can track failure, we can also track success. And so rather than tracking people to find out what number of kids that are going to drop out in the third grade and that will tell us the number of prisons based upon those numbers that we extract to build that we can decide we're going to do an intervention here and give them the tools that they need that will transform their mindset, uh, teach them how to become effective communicators, uh, teach them how to develop collaborative achievement driven supportive relationships, uh, teach them how to use the internet to be taught or to learn how to earn money online and, and become entrepreneurs. And, and you teach them how to dress like a prospect rather than a suspect. I saw a guy last night, I was looking at television, they have these, these police arrests, you know, it's live uh, videotaping it. And they arrested the guy in his pants below his butt. They said, pull those pants up. You know, I, uh, there was a, a comedian years ago on television. Um, the, he had a bag over his head. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The unnamed comedian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would like to, if you hear about a guy with a bag over his head, that would be me running through a shopping mall with a big belt and just just popping these butts with these pants. <laughs> <laughs> Showing the way I go. Pow! You know, I'm not going to say pull your pants up. They're going to pull them up after that. You know, that will be me. You know, <laughs> because. That, that's a level of insanity to, to be that my goal is to eradicate uh, 
what AIDS, addiction to incarceration and death syndrome, and the, the sagging started in the prisons. I had to speak in a prison a few months ago. And so at this time, I used to challenge young men to come, come on stage and I would pay them $1,000 if they could do more push-ups than me. I, at the time, I did 142 push-ups consecutively. Oh my. So I went in this prison and I asked these young guys who came in the room and they had the pants sack and I said, hey, I'm an old man. I say, tell me why you wear your pants the way you do. What do you call that? They said, sagging. I said, sagging? They said, yeah. I said, how do you spell that? That says S-A-G-G-I-N. I said, wow, sagging. If you can determine what a man shall think, you never have to concern yourself with what he will do. If you can make a man feel inferior, you never have to compel him to seek an inferior status, for he will seek it himself. And if you can make a man feel justly an outcast, never have to order him to go to the back door. He'll go without being told. And if there's no door, his very nature will demand one. I said, what do you call it? This is sagging. I said, spell it again, S-A-G-G-I-N. I said, good. I said, now flip it, spell it backwards. And they paused for a moment and said, whoa. I said, yeah. Yeah, that's how you're dressing. Yeah, that's your vision of yourself. Yeah, you think that's cool? Yeah, and let me tell you something. When I left there, there were no sagging. They pulled their pants up and I never had to tell them. And so I believe that people are as they are because if we knew better, we would do better that we have created a culture that's an entertainment-driven culture. You know, the average immigrant who comes to the United States have a four-time greater chance of creating wealth, buying a home, and having their own business. Why? Because even though they can't speak the language and don't know the culture, when they hit the ground, they are hungry. They came here to achieve. Immigrants have an achievement-driven mindset. We as Americans, we're spoiled. We are spoiled. Are we perfect? No. But there are things that we have that we take for granted. I've traveled to over 40 countries. And when I'm coming through security, I say, God bless America. I'm so glad to get back home. I, I can't wait to get through that because we are blessed. We live in the greatest country on the planet. And so my goal is to help people to overcome the psychic disrepair that, that this culture has created in many cases and help them to discover the truth of who they are that will empower them to make choices that will free them from living a, a small life, from infecting people with their, their mediocrity and, and, and begin to affect people with their greatness. Powerful. Um, so part of, um, a big part of why I came and, and Tamara came was the, the brilliance that we see when you're influencing people on stage and in person, I heard you coaching people on the phone <clears throat> yesterday and it's like, they're the only person in the world. You give them such focus and, and love and attention. Um, I can't imagine why they wouldn't want to go right on and be successful, but you have a, a real genuine interest in people and, and you actually care, care about everybody I've seen you with. You really care about them 
And so you've got a huge segment and to be able to create sustainability, the, the Les Brown uh, influence is the catalyst. And so what you're creating is programs, mentoring, a whole system to accountability, all of this, a whole system to help people stay on a track. Yes, because T.D. Jake said something I agree with. He said, there's no success without successors. Mm -hmm. We learn, we earn, and you pass it on. So I'm in this stage now to pass on the things that I've learned. I was on a plane and they had to have an emergency landing. I became ill on the plane. Mm. And I remember being on the floor after they pulled me out of my chair and I was going in and out of consciousness. And I remember saying to myself, God, don't let me die now around these strangers with the knowledge that I have to transform kids' lives please give me some more time to do the work that I feel that you've given me to do. And I remember when we landed in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the emergency crew came on plane and they had all of their instruments. They wanted to put a paddle on my chest. I had internal bleeding. And I heard a guy said, hey, wait a minute. He came and he grabbed me and said, hey, you mister. I know you, you that man will help people to live their dreams. I got this job because of you. Put the oxygen mask on him and be gentle with him as you pick him up. He's got people's lives he must change. He can't go now. Wow. I mean, wow. I mean, the tears begin to fall in my eyes, you know, that what are the chances? They said coincidence is God's way of staying anonymous. As God was affirming to me, your work is not done that you touch more people than you will ever know. And, mm -hmm. and he was talking to me as I was going out. He said, how's Gladys doing? I said, oh, Jesus, <laughs> Lord, you would do it all right till you were there. <laughs> <laughs> you still on the midnight train, brother, please. <laughs> so uh, I, I tell you, I, this has been an exciting journey, and I've grown, and people have blessed me in so many ways. I'm here because there are people who believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. I teach. Sometimes you have to believe in somebody's belief in you. Yes, sir. Until yes, sir. your belief kicks in. Yes, sir. My wife uh, has a saying that somebody believed in her, and I could say that too, when I was nothing but potential. Uh -huh, right. Absolutely. Nothing but potential. Nothing but that, potential. I would have right. made that famous for. So Tamara is here. And you pick up the phone. You called us and said, let's get together. So we came. Um, you're a man of influence. Uh, so leaders are a lot of things, but number one, leaders are influencers. Yes. And you influence us as, as, as well as the rest. Um, Tamara has a, has a, a real high-level consulting career. She's leaving that to come and, and help put this together and make sure that it, it's done right. So um, why did you say yes uh, to being a part of this I'm going to call it a movement. Is that all right? Yeah, absolutely. It's it a project, a but it's a movement. So why, Tamara, did you say, uh, why did you say yes to this? You know, we have, uh, when we talk about Les Brown in my house, you should hear what me and my husband say. My husband is so supportive of me, you know, going with Les Brown, helping him with his vision. And he says, you're not just doing this for Les Brown, you're doing it for the world because he has influence over the world. And that is extremely, extremely important. So I get excited um, about his vision, the things he wants to do. I'm a mother of four. So I understand the mindset 
and how important it is to change people's mindset, particularly in children. It's so funny. With my own children, I teach them who they really are. And sometimes it works against me. (laughs) I have a 13 year old son and I promise you when he was about nine years old, my girls had went out and he stayed home. And I said, well, how come you didn't take your brother with you? And they says, (laughs) well, he says he's staying home today to work on his backflip. I said, his backflip? They said, yeah, he's down in the basement working on his backflip. I said, he can't do a backflip. So I go downstairs and I said, son, what are you doing? He says, don't worry. I'm not doing the backflips yet. I'm just working on it in my mind. (laughs) I said, what? He says, because you said if I put my mind to it, I can do anything. Ah. So I said, you know what? You're right. But let both of us put our mind on some lessons (laughs) (laughs) before we backflip in the basement. But just having four children and seeing their growth and actually inputting the things that I put into them, I know how important that is as far as the mindset. So when Les talks about the mindset of children, the mindset of incarcerated persons, I just wholeheartedly believe in that. And I want to help his flesh out his vision. You have a visionary, you have a details person, and we work well together. (laughs) Part of my series, I interviewed Cal Turner. Cal Turner went to his executive team at Dollar General. And he said, my dad founded this company. And I got this job because of my genes, not because of my skill. But I've got the vision. You've got the skill. We're going public. They went public and it was very successful and they sold it later and everybody received a lot of rewards for that. And they all stepped up because he let them step up because he was the influencer and the visionary. And he said to me, Hugh, leadership is about defining your gaps and finding really good people to fill them. And so that's part of my my leadership education program now. Cal has influenced me, and he's older than us, just a little bit, but he's still out there sharing his wisdom. Um, But so it's not about you asking for help. It's that you being a good leader saying, here's my expertise. Mm -hmm. And what she just pointed out, you got the vision, you got the goods, she's got the details. And I'm pleased to be a part of this project. It's, uh, we can. I'm a NASCAR fan. You didn't know I was a redneck, did you? So <laughs> they go faster when they yeah. draft together. Yes. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And one of the things I think that leaders also do is they are perpetually engaged in the process of a talent hunt, oh. looking for people who have talent, skills, resources, access credibility that you don't have that that we can't do the things that we want to do by ourselves one goose can fly 75 percent in formation with other geese that could ever fly by itself and so part of the training that i do is teach people to practice the principle of oqp only quality people Dr. Dennis Kimbrough out of Atlanta said, if you're the smartest one in your group, you need to get a group. That's it. (laughs) And so I've seen Tamara. I know about her leadership skills, her integrity, her commitment. And she's a person who can get things done. And she has a propensity for detail. And, and, And that is opposite of me. You know, I'm not a detailed person. I, my skill is in, in speaking and training people how to speak but she knows how to put systems in place and complement it with your knowledge and skills. We'll be able to build something that will outlive us, that will go into a future that we will not see. And that's why I'm excited about this, this new chapter in my life, building something that will outlast me and will be here long after I'm gone, that my 
grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. I have three great-grandsons. Yes, and so my goal is to build something that will continuously transform people's lives. And my children, they, they share this vision as well, and, and they work with me. And I'm excited about what we can produce working with you and, and, and Tamara and, and also with the skill set and mindset of Sharita Herring. I believe that what we're putting together is going to be an incredible movement that people can see something they can believe in, they can sink their teeth into, and that they want to support. We're going to train young people. My goal is to, to help young people to develop a different kind of mindset to reduce the bullying and suicide rate. Suicide among young people has increased over 300%. And, and according to the, the Center for Disease that, out of Atlanta, that over 3,000 people, more than 3,000 people committed suicide last year in this country. More people died from suicide than traffic accidents. And so in the land of opportunity, a country where people try to outswim sharks to get here or outrun jeeps barefooted to get here. Mm -hmm. And I believe that is the result of a lack of hope when there's mm -hmm. hope in the future that gives you power in the present. And, it, and when you combine hope methods and, and collaborative achievement supportive relationships, that when people take some hits, and we're all going to have some hits, my favorite book says, think it not strange that you'll face the fiery furnaces of this world. You will, not you might, you will have tribulations. So we will help people to weather those storms. We'll help people to have the wherewithal to handle the hits, and they're going to come from so many places. I remember when doctor looked at me and said three words that no one ever wants to hear, you have cancer. Those three words, most feared words in seven different languages. And I said, can you give me a second opinion? And he said, yes, and you're ugly too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I have no problems. My medication weird on whatever. We did some drilling down on the, the sustainability of this, the continuity, and then we're, we're gonna invite people to be part of this tribe to take part of the programs, but you're actually gonna train trainers to train other trainers. Yes. And as far as the youth go, they're gonna have peer-to-peer -peer training. We're gonna build a cadre of, of student leaders yes. who, will, who will speak in a very different way to their peers. Where I, I think your 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 pleasure is to start with those that are incarcerated because it's such a crisis and jails are full. They are, and so when you look at the the jails, the juvenile detention centers, the prisons, the state and the federal level, it's the numbers just is staggering. And so when we look at what are the things that we can do to give them the support and the tools they need and the mindset that you're worth something. If you're in a prison and you're not even recognized by your name, you're a number. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, the system as it is, is, is designed to develop, to destroy a person's sense of self. And they treat them like animals and they get out, they act like animals. Mm. And so mm. we can do better than that. We're the United States of America. And, and so mm. when we look at young people today, and their behavior. And I, I was on a, a bus at the airport, you know, they had those little shuttles. Yes. And a, a, a lady got on and with her mother and they, and, and 
her mother is a senior citizen. She was holding a small baby. And the mother, she was like eight months pregnant. And so you know how those shuttles, you know, they, they rock in and not sturdy. And if you're a pregnant woman, you know, I got up and I offered her my seat. And so she gladly sat down. And so there's a young guy sitting there. And I said, brother, I said, do you mind giving this, this lady your seat? And I was talking about the grandmother who's holding the other baby. And he said, hey, I paid my money just like she did. Oh, my goodness. And he wouldn't get up. And oh. I just said, wow. Wow. And I, I, I felt bad for him. And I said to myself, when I see these young guys with their pants below their butt or when they're disrespectful and have no sense of decency, I get angry with myself because I said, I need to multiply myself through other people so that someone else can get in their ear other than what they're listening to every day mm -hmm. that does not give them a vision of themselves in the future and keep them in a very limited mindset it's all about mindset as a man think it so as he is he continues to think so he remains and we spend no money on the county level city level federal level or state level on transforming mindsets not anything and that's where everything begins and we know that and all statistics indicate that they did a study of some top achievers around the world over 3,000 and they wanted to know what was the common denominator among them that allowed them to reach their goals and they discovered that 85% of them reached their goals because of their attitude 15% because of their aptitude and so the training that we're going to provide is train the trainer so that this is not surrounding and driven by a personality but by systems and, and and people who have a vision for our kids in the future living in a global economy and operating at a high level of consciousness where they can live a life of contribution as opposed to a life of liabilities James Allen said that you triggered a quote in his book as a man thinketh um, people I'm transcribing it to gender neutral. People want to change their circumstances and are unwilling to change themselves. They therefore remain bound. Yes, bound and stuck. And, and that's where all the transformation takes place in the mind. He, he also said something that, that that little small book as a man thinking may have a version as a woman thinking mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. But you can't destroy negative thoughts, they're like weeds. You know, you can, you can overpower them for a period of time, but once you stop doing the things that you do to, to get the clutter and the negative things out of your mind, then those negative thoughts come back with a vengeance and they're stronger. Wow. And so I, I remember when I had a talk show, King World paid me $5 million. So I became so busy and caught up in preparing to be on television and going through the training to be before the camera, I stopped my ritual of reading 30 to 40 pages every day. I stopped my ritual of listening to Earl Nightingale and Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar, and Tony Robbins and other speakers every day because I was so busy preparing for television. And those negative thoughts came back and I, I forgot who I was. I was disconnected from my power. 
and I just was not myself until after the program was canceled because I took a hit. Things happened during that particular time and I was not prepared to handle it. My best friend died, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer and passed. I went through divorce when I was married to Gladys Knight. Um, at that time I was diagnosed with prostate cancer and all of these things happened within three to four months. But had I been in my ritual, I, I, I would have been knocked down, but I would have been knocked out that I popped. And, and so one of the things I encourage people to do is that you have to do maintenance work to maintain that level of consciousness so that when things happen to you, that you can handle it because we have the ability to handle it. Dr. Howard Thurman, who was a mentor to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Mahatma Gandhi and Albert Schweitzer, he wrote Deep is the Hunger, the voice of the genuine. He said, there's something in each and every one of us that waits and listens to the voice of the genuine in ourselves. It will be perhaps the only guide we will ever have or hear. And if we cannot hear it all of our life, our days will be spent on the ends of strings that somebody else pulls. And that when you live your life from the inside out, you're literally saying, Nobody, no circumstances, no situation will pull the strings of my mindset, my attitude, and how I feel about who I am and how I show up in life. It's a mm. profound thing. You're part of part of the track that you're laying down is that nurture that that helps people not only learn continue learning, but to stay on the track. And so you talk about four programs that you have now, and you've got some more in mind. What's the, the background on why you developed those? What were the circumstances around? They're powerful programs. I was a state legislator in Columbus, Ohio. I was elected to three terms. Wow. Became a chairman of the Human Resource Committee and the Education Committee. I was a very controversial disc jockey, edu educating people about the things that maintain our detriment in the 80s and doing editorials and demonstrating against police brutality and, and their deadly use of force. And when I was in the legislature, a guy named Clarence King, who had worked with Warner Earhart, who's created an organization called S, and who's one of the great icons in self-development, he came and sat in the legislature and he watched me and he heard about me being an effective communicator. And he had gotten a contract under the Carter administration called PIC, Private Industry Council, to train people on welfare, how to transition from welfare into working and being self-sufficient. And, but he could not get them to be open to that. And he saw me and asked me, would you come down and talk to them so that you can get them in the mindset to be open to what I can provide for them? And if they can do that, I can train them and transform their lives from the inside out. He said, but I can't get them to listen. I came down, I observed, he hired me as a consultant and I, my job was to come the first day and to train them. Then when I spoke at a graduation, I went in a room three times and I didn't know it was the same group of people, how they were so transforming, how they dressed, how clean shaven they were. They looked like business people. And I said, my God, I want to learn how to do this. That, you know, when you speak, you only have 30 minutes to an hour, but 
I wanted to do more than just speak and leave and, and people start doing the same thing they were doing before I came there. I wanted to be able to create a kind of experience that people will be permanently transformed and have the tools in place, the coaches in place to review repetition, to review, repeat, and, and reinforce the principles that change their mindset. And, and so I became a student of this, me and my mentor, Mike Williams, who wrote the book called The Road to Your Best Self, hmm. The Best Stuff. And so I started studying and reading everybody that put anything out there dealing with the mind. It was Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking, mm -hmm. Zig Ziglar, See You at the Top. It was Winston Churchill, The Truth is Incontrovertible, Malice Met, Tackett, Ignorance Way to Write It. At the end, there it is. If it's uh, Psycho-Cybernetics, Robert Collier, The Secret of the Ages, Earl Nightingale, The Strangest Secret in the World. I read these books, I listened to these recordings, and I decided I'm going to master this. And what I discovered, all these guys I studied, they had the complexion of connection. I had the complexion of rejection. <laughs> so, so, so I could do all the things they told me to do, but I still wasn't going to get that promotion. <laughs> so I said, wait a minute. I had to go back to the drawing board. How, how did Booker T. Washington and Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman and Mary McLeod Bethune, who said, pray as if everything depends upon God, but work as if everything depends upon you. I needed to know, what do you do if you're in a system that's stacked against you? How is it that you can make it against all odds? And I remember John H. Johnson in his book called Making It Against All Odds. He says, there's no defense against an excellence that meets a pressing public need. So when you have the complexion of rejection, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard and, and you have to be committed to make it happen no matter what. And, and, and you told me an incredible, inspiring story that drives my life. In 1961, John F. Kennedy, would, he asked Verna Van Braun. Van Braun, you know, what will it take for us to beat the Russians to the moon? And he just said five words and those five words. He decided to call a news conference just on those five words. He decided to risk the embarrassment of the United States of America by proclaiming to the world, we are going to the moon in 10 years. We did it in less than 10 years and eight. And those five words were the will to do it. And I believe that if you're faced with being laid off, if you're going through divorce, you've been diagnosed with a terminal illness, uh, if we want to reduce the teenage pregnancy rate, the dropout rate, the recidivism rate, that we must incorporate those five words, the will to do it. Everything I believe comes out of that because you're going to have some resistance, you're going to encounter some obstacles and setbacks, but if you have the will, where there's a will, there's a way. Jesus said, whosoever will, let him come. And if you have that mindset, there is an energy, there is a release of power and a presence in you that will allow you to overcome in what appears to be insurmountable odds and, and do things that you don't even know that you can do right now. And I've seen some things and I've been around and, and as farmers insurance, what, 
Sometimes we've seen a thing or two. Yes, yes. Yeah, you know, I've seen a thing or two. I've seen a thing or two, you yes. know? Yeah. And, and, and so I know that these principles work. They work with me. They work with my children. I use them as guinea pigs. Absolutely. And they work with other people as well. And it's exciting and it's fun. And this stage of my life, there are people who are listening right now. They hear me in their ears. But there's a few who can hear me in their heart. Uh-huh. And because we all have an energy signature, and there are certain people when you speak, they're going to hear you in their heart. If they heard Tamara or me, they will only hear us in their ears because of your energy signature, something about you. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that as we begin to duplicate ourselves and train people and, and get more voices and troops on the ground, giving a message of hope and peace, hope and peace to create a new conversation, to to create a different vision of how people see themselves and how they show up in life. That as we begin to increase those numbers, we will decrease the level of of violence and, and mediocrity. We will decrease the things in our society that's maintaining our detriment that as we look at the words of Elsie Robinson who said things may happen around you and things may happen to you but the only things that really count are the things that happen in you and so when people are stirred up and ignited to become a force for God to be an instrument to 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 operate out of a thinking that the least that you do unto these my brethren you do it also unto me and that you have a, a as as Harz Mann said, we should be ashamed to die until we've made some major contribution to humankind. And that operating out of that sense of oneness that that drove Mrs. Rosa Parks to to stand up inside of herself and refuse to get up to give a white person her seat, and was was incarcerated. That there was something in her that said, I ought to do this on this particular day. And, and, and it was a defining moment in history. And so we all have defining moments in our lives. And Denzel Washington was in a movie. He said, there are things in life that happen and it appears like slow motion. There's before this and there's after this. And after this, nothing will ever be the same again. And when I think about Mr. Leroy Washington, who challenged me, I was in his class, my junior year in school. and. He told me to work out a problem on the board. And I said, I can't do that, sir. I said, I'm not one of these students. I'm here to see Mac Arthur Stevens. He said, it doesn't matter. Do what I'm telling you anyhow. I said, I can't, sir. And the other kids started laughing, saying, he's Leslie. He's, he's got a twin brother, Wesley. Wesley is smart. He's DT. And he said, what's DT? He's the dumb twin. And I said, I am, sir. And he came from behind his desk as they erupted in laughter. And I was standing there, with tears in my eyes, feeling humiliated. He said, don't ever say that again. Someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. That was a transforming moment in my life. And even though I've never known my birth parents, that this guy became like my spiritual father. You know, I, I, I told Tamara, I need to meet your mama because you look so much like me. <laughs> I'm a baby Christian. I haven't saved that long, you know? <laughs> But um, he taught me how to tie a tie. I wanted to be like him. I watched him. 
he was an eloquent speaker. He was a speech and drama wow. teacher. And so he influenced me. My goal is I have a lot of spiritual sons and daughters out there that, that have adopted me and I've adopted them as I adopted Mr. Washington. I remember eulogizing him and being at the celebration of his life. I watched his sons from an angle. And when I spoke, they looked up at me and none of his children spoke and we called him the great communicator. And I realized something as I watched them that even though he gave, he, he, he was their father, though I knew a part of him that they never knew. I saw something in him that they never saw. And that to me is one of the mysteries of life. How is it that people can be raised in the same circumstances and end up dramatically different? Miss Washington had thousands of kids, but he only had one less brown. And so my goal before the leaving the planet, there's some other less browns out here who are going to do what I've done and go even further who will do more these things ye should do and greater things should you so at this stage of my life i'm looking for people who are hungry and who want to do the greater work tamara and i have um, agreed to be arms and legs for this movement and you're the influencer you've created magical content and we're going to put it in a form that's accessible for more people and uh we're going to help help you put together uh a plan so that people know how they can support this. There's a lot of ways people can support it. Um, one of the ways would be to join your tribe. Mm -hmm. And, and there's, there's lots of ways that we're going to roll out in time. We can do one thing at a time. So yes, yes. and we're going to roll this out gradually. But the first stage is to get some funding in. And we have a, a, a link that you've gotten, Les Brown Foundation, is Yes, lesbrownfoundation.com and.org. Lesbrownfoundation.org. And it will, we'll have it set up so it'll, it'll revert to a page where people can vote with dollars that they, they want to be a part of seeing this come to reality. Yes. And the, uh, the dollars are like putting gas in the car. It's yes. going to make this run. And um, there's, there's, it's, there's no limit to the influence this movement can have and the impact it's gonna have on our country. Just think of all those people who could be productive, could get out of that cycle. Mm -hmm. and, and that is, a, you have been, we've done a whole lot of work in a very short period of time. I want you to know it normally takes many more hours yes. for me to get this yeah. much information from people, <laughs> but you are very clear. And uh, so we were able to capture this vision and put some tactics around it and create a strategy that other people can understand. So um, are there pieces that we haven't touched on that you think we would need to share with people so far? No, I really think um, just listening to his vision and getting people excited about what we're doing is super important, but I, I really think we've done a good job of rolling it out just to visit the website, see how you can support it. Um, I think that um, we've done a great job with telling that today. Yeah, so I encourage great. people to go to the website and to invest in, in this movement that I'm creating. And, and it's helping me to seal my deal with God. Mm -hmm. I remember saying, God, if you help me get up off this floor. And the, when they have an emergency landing on a plane, you only do it if you're dead or you're dying. Oh my. And so I had a colonoscopy and I got on a plane three days later and I had internal bleeding and I didn't know. Oh my. 
And so I remember when they said, is there a doctor on board? And I passed out in my chair and they laid me on the floor. And they said that the guy came and he checked my pulse and I had blood was on the floor under me. He, my hands were soaked with blood from this, this internal bleeding that was coming out. He said, we need to make an emergency landing. And they said, oh, just take us two and a half hours more to get to Detroit. He said, if you're going to do that, he said, and just strapping on the seat in the back and just call the morgue and have them waiting because he won't make it there. And so that's when they made that emergency landing and this guy who was a part of the emergency team said, hey, you, I know you missed it. You're that man who helped people live their dreams. I got this job because of you, man. And so, I, but I promised God, I said, if you help me get through this, I'm going to go back to where I started. And I started out training youth and training in prisons, Marysville uh, Penitentiary and, and the Ohio Penitentiary, and jails and prisons all across the country. I said, I promise I will do your will. And this allows me to seal that deed. I'm still here. I, 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 I made a deal with God. I gave him my word. If you help me overcome this, I will be used by you to make this world a better place until I take my last breath. And that's what I want to do. Make people feel good, laugh, know that I'm not playing with a full deck, <laughs> and, and make a difference, make a mark. We're very blessed to be in this country, and we're blessed to, to be a blessing to others. Mamie Brown, you know, God, God took me out of my biological mother's womb and placed me in the heart of my adopted mother. I am here because of two women. One gave me life, and the other one gave me love. And, and so I'm grateful to both of them and I feel that I was chosen for this. There was a time I couldn't admit that, but I've had too many things that, signs that I've seen that I know that, that a hand has been on my life. Things, my, my steps have been ordered, things that I was encouraged to do and to learn. I don't know where I came from. And I believe it's, it's a calling. And that sometimes it takes you some time to recognize it. And it's, it's a humbling experience to feel that you've been chosen for something. Yeah. And so I'm humbled by that. Ms. Brown? Yes. Thank you for saying yes to this. Thank you. Thank you and Tamara for saying yes to me and to help me to do this. I appreciate you very much, more than you know. Thank you. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Thank you all for being here. The Nonprofit Exchange is sponsored by Nonprofit Professional Performance 360 Magazine. Stories, articles, value for leaders, growing their skill, growing their team, growing their income. Nonprofitperformance.org is where you can find it.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.